Hello, and thank you for joining me for this inaugural episode of From the Inside Out Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and I believe you're going to be in for a treat for this first show as I interview one of the most avid 90s Nickelodeon fans that I know. Nickelodeon was the one thing I could always turn to that would make any day better, because I got into some really dark places as a kid. I mean, it, it was it was torture. Growing up as a kid, middle school age especially, is I think one of the worst times in a child's life. And that was when I think Nickelodeon was like full force for me. So it was always something I could turn to that would make my day better. Shane Donovan gives me his take on the iconic television network for kids, Nickelodeon. But first, as I kick off this podcast series, now streaming on iTunes and Podbean, I want to let all of you listeners know that this podcast series is going to highlight some fun, strange, and interesting topics that you may be familiar with as told by people who you may have never heard of. I'm excited to start this project as I've been involved in broadcast television production for almost 20 years, serving in many roles behind the scenes as a camera operator, engineer, producer, and most recently as a newscast director for a major television network group. I enjoy bringing stories to life behind the camera, and now I'm even more pumped to be the one bringing stories to you firsthand. Now enough of the formalities. Let's get on to our interview with Shane Donovan. He's my guest today, and he's an avid Nickelodeon fan and TV production professional. Shane's 28 and moved out to LA about two years ago to follow his dream of working in television and ultimately working for Nickelodeon. And most recently, Shane worked as a production assistant on the reboot of Double Dare. And joining me now from LA is Shane. And we're going to jump right in at Shane. Um, how did Nickelodeon come across your proverbial cable dial? Nickelodeon has been in my life as long as I can remember. Um, I think it's probably because I have two older brothers and my brothers, of course, you know, grew up with this also. So in the nineties, there was really kind of like two main networks. I would say at the time, actually maybe three, it was pretty much, you were a Disney kid, you were a cartoon network kid, or you were a Nickelodeon kid. And our TV never really had too much Disney on it. It was just never something that we got into too much. However, doing thing, watching things like cartoon network, like Dexter's lab or um, cow and chicken or powder puff girls, or uh, it's called a powder puff, wrong gnome, <laughs> power puff girls. Yeah, I guess I wasn't that much of a Cartoon Network kid. And then it was uh, Nickelodeon. I remember some of my earliest shows were things like Legends of the Hidden Temple, watching it actually in a blizzard as a kid and having hot cocoa and watching Legends of the Hidden Temple. And at that point, it wasn't, you know, just constant reruns because, you know, it was still something that was actively happening. So it was really exciting to be part of that. So you're there consuming the content as a kid yourself. And like you said, you're watching it, watching legends in the, in the blizzard. Do you think that the programming and maybe the time or the feel or what was it about the network that kind of gave you an escape? Because from my experience, um, I found that watching Nick as a kid was a huge escape from my realities of, uh, you know, being overweight, being bullied, uh, what have you. Um, it was just a good, wholesome network to watch, and I was able to escape reality. What was your experience um, with that? Because every Nick kid I've talked to has um, a moment um, that they share, that we all share together. And so I'm wondering what your moment mm -hmm. is. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people always wonder, it's like you're a grown 28-year-old, you know, pushing 30-year-old man, and, you know, you have your room covered into the design of a Nickelodeon Studios room, and your dresser is meant for a 12-year-old. Why do you do that? And I tell people all the time, it's everybody has something that kind of really makes them nerd out. 
you know, there there might be anime, or it might be Dungeons and Dragons, or it might be vampires, it might be zombies. But for me, it's always been Nickelodeon because, like you, you know, I actually was a very ch- a chubby, heavy kid. I was a nerdy kid. I was, you know, bullied mercilessly. Nickelodeon was the one thing I could always turn to that would make any day better because I got into some really dark places as a kid. I mean, it, it was it was torture. Growing up as a kid, middle school age especially, is I think one of the worst times in a child's life. And that was when I think Nickelodeon was like full force for me. So it was always something I could turn to that would make my day better. And that's why it's such a big part of my life. And that's why I dream to be part of it, because I want to be able to give back to the kids what I was given. Because it's a network like none other. Like it truly transforms your life. If you know, if that's what you are wanting it to do, and then it doesn't even have to try. It just does it. It either sinks with you, or it doesn't. You either have a soul that bleeds orange and slime, or you don't. It's not something that you can just pick up. And for those of you that don't know Shane or hearing this podcast for the first time. I will tweet out a picture of Shane's dresser and uh, give his contact information for his Instagram page at the end of the show. So that is definitely something to be jealous of as a nineties fan and a nineties kid myself. And going back to how we were able to escape, you know, whatever realities we were facing during our um, childhoods and actually sometimes into adulthood as well, you'd find yourself um, watching certain programs. Mm-hmm. What do you think transpired that was actually produced in those programs to your now adult self um what qualities did you see in these programs and um, these productions that you kind of wanted to mimic or have you mimicked and um you said you're you know you're giving back you know by working in television to produce content with some nick shows you've worked on which we'll talk about in a second but what um what kind of quality do you think was there that made this time so special because it it is a special time um there's no secret about that so i'm just curious to know what your um what your takeaway is well, the Orange Era is pretty much what they call it. And during that time, the content was so real. There was actually stories and lessons in the episodes of shows. You know, you can't watch a show like Hey Arnold and the Pigeon Man or Little Miss Perfect when we meet Lila for the first time. Those episodes don't really happen anymore. And they're starting to come back with some of that strong content. But the generation that with I grew up, you know, that I grew up in, we got exposed to these kind of like morals of the story. I mean, even again, you know, I watched a little bit of Disney. Like I remember watching Matt So Raven and the episode where it was facing racism because she was black and she worked in the mall. And the woman said, I don't hire black people. You would never see that anymore. So I think that you would watch these things and you're like, wow, you know, I can actually really learn what is right and wrong here, but do it in a fun way. It was almost like being taught without knowing you were being taught. So you're watching these shows and Nickelodeon, it always has been, it was the, it was the network for kids. You know, that's what it said all the time. There was an entire studio created in Orlando, Florida, crying out loud for this. No other, no other place had that, you know, that was iconic for Nickelodeon. So it was all these like things, like it really kind of taught you how to be a, a good person, I guess, in a way, you know, a subliminal message of, you know, how to care for people and how to, make good choices. I mean, even if it was the Rugrats, which, you know, taught you pretty much anything you wanted to know, or Wild Thornberries, you know, which is later in the game, but, you know, understanding the care for animals. It was all these different stories and lessons that you just don't really get anymore. Right. And to really nail that home, and you hit it really um, early, and 
is kind of what I was going for because I have a shared experience as well. It's how you mentioned in the show that you know, they talk about racism. Um, yeah. you know, for kids, that's a huge topic. Uh, you can't do that on television. You know, one of the first early Nick shows, um, there's an adoption, uh, an episode about adoption that was physically banned in the United States. So I think a lot of the mm-hmm. takeaway for Nickelodeon in the golden era that, you know, is it's referenced before, um, is that, it showed kids that they can be empowered and they can um, stand up to adults and they can make good choices. And I think that yeah. was you know, really like the, the common thread that I see in all these shows is that, you know, yes, the network celebrated kids, they empowered them. And um, it's something that's never been done. And I think that's why it, it's resonated with so many people like yourself. Yeah. I mean, think about, you know, Nick news, or kids pick the president, all these different yes, things yes. that they did, or the big, the big help, which, you know, mm-hmm. has now become more like the worldwide day of play. These were all things that Nickelodeon did to try and empower kids. And it was clear that there was like no ulterior motive because they always went for things that were interesting to kids. And you know, I never but, felt like I was in deceit, in deceit or being lied to. Right. And I don't and so know. I, I mean, and personally, if anyone picks up the I don't know line, I would be slimed right now from you can't do that on television. <laughs> but I think that there is a lot to be said for that time generation of Nickelodeon. I, I think it's more special than a lot of people realize. And if they didn't get to grow up with it, I, I cannot imagine my childhood or my life without it, truly. Yeah, and and going back to you know the, the times that you had that you felt you know you could escape reality by watching these shows. It's like it's, you know, I get the same kind of um, you know sentiment from some of my neighbors and other adult friends. Like, well, geez, why do you like Double Dare? Why do you like this? And mm-hmm. um, it's just like as as you just described. And you know, it's amazing that you know these creators of these programs, you know, decades later, they are all so generous and kind, and they are actually surprised that what they did resonated across an entire generation. Um, So having that effect on you and you coming out to LA, um, you've actually had the opportunity to do some work with Nickelodeon. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, it's been a dream come true to get to do what I have, you know, the goal to work for them full time has yet to happen, but I'm trying, but, yeah, I've I've gotten to work. Like I said, I did press a couple of times for Kids' Choice Awards, Kids' Choice Sports, more the orange carpet. And then for the first year this year, working audience and Kids' Choice Awards inside and, you know, helping direct the celebrities to their seats. Like, it was cool to actually direct the cast of Night Squad. And I even, you know, sat somebody, I think it was like Mike Tyson, where you're saying, oh, you know, your seat's right there so this way, Mr. Tyson. It was a very cool moment to finally be inside after watching it for so many years. Because I will, I will be honest. I don't really watch the Oscars. I don't watch the American Music Awards. I don't watch the Golden Globes. And I've worked all elements of these, but I watch the Kids' Choice Awards as a still-grown adult. Um, And then, of course, the holy grail of my Nickelodeon experience has definitely been working on the reboot of Double Dare. That was truly life-changing. I was working for Paramount at the time, and I was actually on a, a golf out date, which meant that there was only enough people for one person to do a VIP tour. And I drew the higher number. So I didn't have to go out and I get a phone call and she says, hi, you know, I'm calling from double dare. And I slightly nearly crapped my pants. I, I Your heart <laughs> stopped. my heart stopped because I have an incredible friend that works for Nickelodeon and he's always referred me and he's been trying to help me out. And I, you know, I had experience in entertainment so for them to say, okay, here's his resume, 
I think highly of him. You know, I had heard, I had heard that they already had enough people that didn't need anybody. So she calls me and she says, will you be a day player? And for people that don't know what that means, that means that you go in for one day. It's pretty much like they just need an extra hand. And I, of course, said yes. It didn't matter if I was working or not. I was going to do it. So I had an amazing experience, you know, so much fun. It was a great crew to work with. And I was going to send her a message the next day saying, thank you for such an opportunity. You know, I'd love to do it again if there's another chance. And before I could, she texted me and she was like, hey, are you available this day and this day and this day? And so it went from working one day to nearly two weeks of just double dare. And the things I got to experience were incredible. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure what I said to Mark Summers directly is you are a god of Nickelodeon. <laughs> and, you know, it, you could tell it didn't creep him out. He was a genuinely nice person. And I want people to know that, that a lot of people had some comments about Liza Koshy also. One of the nicest people I have ever worked with is Liza Koshy. She actually would remember everybody's name or that she had met you, whether it was somebody that was doing cleaning or somebody that was an executive director. It didn't matter. She never made you feel underneath and neither did Mark. They were so welcoming. And it was almost like, even if you weren't part of that original crew, you were now part of the Double Dare family. To have a credential that says I worked on Double Dare, to have my name in, you know, like maybe 30 episodes of a show that pretty much represented my childhood was just life altering. And as a PA, which was what I did, I was a production assistant. I got to do things, you know, I might have been cleaning up slime towels, but I also had to get the contestants dressing rooms ready or, you know, walk them to the stage or do stage watch while Mark was on set and bring him his water to make sure, you know, that he could stay hydrated or help out, you know, with whatever department needed me to go pick up something, whether it was picking up a test sample of chocolate pudding that they would jump into or <laughs> something like this. And it was just such a moment of, I cannot believe I'm finally getting to do this. And when I tell you that the cast and crew of this show was grade A, top of the level, that's what I mean. I mean, I have met some incredible people that have helped me get into other jobs, helped me with other opportunities. It, it was such a quick family. And Eric, I met you officially there because we actually had unofficially met on Instagram. Right, right. And because you had seen that I kept posting and, you know, I think it was going to be your On Your Mark um, documentary. And we were talking, I think, also about The Orange Years, which was another Nickelodeon documentary that was coming out. And then you pop up at Double Dare and we got our picture together and you, you witnessed firsthand exactly what I was saying. You know, the, the quality of the connection of people, there was nothing fake about it. Like, that's what I love. I love that it was real, genuine people. And it was such an amazing experience that um, it was funny when I worked with some other PAs and they loved the job too, but they were like, Oh, this is so gross having to pick up the slime. And I looked at them so offended. No way. This <laughs> is the best day ever. Yeah. I, I was like, how dare you? I was like being slimed is the holy baptism of Nickelodeon. Like, how dare you? <laughs> I was squishing my hands in it. I was playing with it. I didn't care that it was slime. You know, that was, I loved that. I wanted it to be slime and it was. You know, very few people get to actually handle real slime. Yeah, and, and that's the part of being a Nick kid is Nickelodeon, you know, back in the day and even now with the reboot of Double Dare, they encourage people to get messy. They encourage you to step outside the lines and it's okay to do so and have fun doing it. Going, you know, going back, you know, from childhood into moving out to L.A., working on Double Dare, do you think you finally have arrived? No, I have not. Um, you know, I've done some incredible things. I'm grateful for everything that I have been able to do, but there were three, there are three check marks in my must have in life. One is 
work for Nickelodeon. Like that's my career. Two is get slimed. And for the first time in my life at 28, it actually happened. So I will talk about that. But three on the bottom of my list is actually to get married to my husband. Like I don't even have a boyfriend, but like I'm saying, like when I get a husband, that is mm-hmm. number three. Like that is the least <laughs> on my list. So like I said, I got slimed, which was, it pretty much, it almost made me feel 100% complete with Nickelodeon. It was like, okay, now when I work for them, it feels completely right because it was such an incredible moment for me because I went there. I'm a grown adult. There's all these little kids. And I'm like, anytime I see one in ponchos, I'm just like full of disgust. Cause I'm like, how dare you be smirched the slime. So you had to sign a little agreement. And I wrote on there really big. I was like, waited all my life, 28 years for this slimy head to toe, something like that. And they slime me a little bit and they just do like a little plop of it. And I'm like, come on now. And they're like, look, we have to wait for, you know, we have to save forever, save for everybody. But if you come back at the end of the day, we will dump a whole bunch on you. And I was there for probably like six hours waiting just to get slimed because I was already slimed a little bit and never washed it off. They asked if I wanted a towel and I looked at them and I said, absolutely not. Just give me one for my hand so I can do what I need to do. But no, people started taking pictures of me. I was sitting down covered in slime. And the funny thing is you don't see it. It dries almost like a, like a a second skin. It's almost like cornstarchy. So you'd have to start peeling it off. And then at the end of the day, um, I went back in that booth. I, you know, they dumped an entire bucket on me and you'll see in the video that like, I, I lift my head up and I'm like, it just covers my face. It's incredible. It's amazing. It doesn't taste very good, but it didn't really have much of a taste. And then I actually got, um, some Nickelodeon social media team was like, can we take your picture? Cause I was actually in my Nickelodeon pajamas covered in Nicktoons, my Nickelodeon shirt that I'm actually in right now. And I'm wearing my Nickelodeon backpack. I'm in my green, my white shoes with the green slime splats that I got as a kid, or actually probably in like early high school because they looked like Nickelodeon slime. And I'm just decked out. I, you know, I'm like the most ridiculous looking adult here at this event, but it was number two on my list finally happened. So now number one is definitely the next goal. And then I will say I have made it. Gotcha. Yeah. And so... I'm trying to think here because I've met a lot of the producers and hosts of you know classic Nick shows, and I've been very fortunate to do so. What do you think? Do you think that they intended you know this stuff to stick with people like it has? I don't think Nickelodeon ever realized it would be as big of a hit as it was years later, but I think that there was a big reason for that, and you know, the generation. You know, I know that that's something people always talk about really from like 1991 to like 2003, maybe, or a little bit around that, that was really kind of like when Nickelodeon was known as Nickelodeon. And my generation, you know, we all know what happened in 2001. That was one of the worst modern day tragedy that has ever happened for our country. And when I think about it, it's like, you know, I was able to have a sense of innocence as a child. I was able to have a childhood where I could go out and play till the streetlights came on. Cause that was the thing we did. You know, you went out and you played outside. You didn't just stay inside. We, I was the pre-internet, you know, generation, the last one. I remember when America online would come on like a CD in the cereal box for like five minutes because of that lovely dial up modem. So mm-hmm. it was a generation where I got to be a full kid and I feel horrible for the kids now because that doesn't get to happen for them at all. You know, 2001, I think a lot of people would probably agree that we had to instantly grow up. It was a moment that we realized we are not this safe world that we thought we were. 
we are not able to be just kids anymore. You know, it, it changed our lives forever. So as you grow up and you want something happy to reflect on, you go back to that time when everything else was innocent, you know, when everything was pure and everything was good, you know, and exciting. And that was the epitome of Nickelodeon. You know, it was all of those things. So, you know, it's almost hard not to get emotional talking about it because it's such a big moment when people realize that Nickelodeon was able to give people innocence, you know, without even trying. You can't escape, you know, 9-11 and all that stuff. But no. going back and watching and kind of getting your nostalgia fix of like, you know, when you like when I go through Instagram and my social media and I see, you know, people posting stuff from Nick or something that reminds me of Nickelodeon, it almost instantly brings me back. Does that happen yeah, for you? It, 100%. I mean, it's it's not only just the cartoon, but it's like when you see like the classic bumpers, like I love, you know, the Splat Network because of that. And I will tell you, you know, some of my favorite things was the, the contests. You know, that's what really took me back when you would think about, you know, Super Kids like Toy Run or Super Toy Run Sweepstakes, or one of my favorite was Nick or Treat, which I would enter, I think, every single year. <laughs> that freaky freaking pop pumpkin talking, you know, when you're picking them the numbers on the phone and you win like these really cool, like the talk blaster or, you know, the time blaster, which I have both of those as well, you know. It, that was such a cool moment. And um, I, I think that's what really takes me back. Cause you almost remember where you were like to this day. I remember where I was the first time I remember watching kids choice awards when Rosie O'Donnell had her show and it was probably like 90, 97, 98, something like that. I was, you know, I was still a kid and I was at my, uh, my dad's house and I was with my granny in the kitchen on like this really like if you remember like those tacky like uh, chairs that would almost like pick apart that you could pick at and the foam would like, start coming yes, out. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> it was those. And we're watching, uh, I'm watching this little TV and I remember she gets like this dumpster wheeled into her, you know, talk show and she gets pushed in and then she enters into the studio and she just starts screaming, you know, kids choice. <laughs> like, why does somebody remember something like that? Because it was just something that really stuck with you. It was a moment of like, oh, this is for me. So yeah, I, I'm, I know I'm rambling, but like that was just, you know, that's what really takes me back. So now as an adult, you know, having all these things that I guess surround me make me think of those also. But it also is, you know, definitely by watching the content, you know, because there's so much good stuff. Saying where you were exactly where you remember watching Nickelodeon, I have to share with you because I was at my grandmother's house because my mom, we were, she was a single mom raising me and we couldn't afford cable, but grandma could. So I would go over to grandma's house and I would just watch TV for the entire weekend. I would just binge oh, out on Nick and it was so crazy because I remember laying on this like little half kind of folding sofa thing on the, on the ground, eating ice cream, watching, you can't do that on television thinking, Holy shit, this kid is about to get shot at the execution um, in the execution set by this guy and a bunch of guys with guns behind the camera. And then the kid stops the execution. It's like, whoa, whoa, this is blowing my mind. Like, you know, in the Western, my grandpa would watch like 30 minutes before in TNN, like this guy got annihilated, but this kid is here and he's going to live. What the shit? And so it just blew my <laughs> mind from right then and there. And yeah, I became instantly addicted because wait, you know, what kid, you know, but really he's going to shoot a kid on TV. You know, I know that now, but as a, as an eight year old, you know, <laughs> pretty mind blowing. It's one of those moments where it's like, you know, for some reason, something stuck out to you. And it's just, and like I said, like when I remember watching Legends, Legends of the Hidden Temple for the first time is when we had that blizzard. You know, I remember that watching with my brothers, 
and getting the hot cocoa and being in that apartment, you know, I remember those feelings. It's almost like you can remember the smell of the room you were into. It's like, it's so nostalgic. There's, you know, that it's almost like as many senses as you can think about the hearing, the seeing, the smell of it. I mean, maybe even the taste of, you know, like the hot cocoa, the feel of, you know, what was going on. It was just so different. As we move along here, I want to know what your favorite Nickelodeon show of all time is. Okay. You know, it's impossible for a Nick nerd to do just one. So I have to do live action and I have to do animated. Fair enough. Because they're, they're so different. Um, live action, definitely my favorite is Legends of the Hidden Temple. I don't think that there will ever be a game show that comes to as innovative and as adventurous as that. And Zoo Venture with J.D. Roth, I think was his name, was a close one. But Legends of the Hidden Temple, I mean, that was crazy. You know, like you had to be smart and athletic to do that show. Yeah. And always Team Silver Snakes with a close second to Orange Iguanas. But you know, who didn't want to run the temple? I was terrified of the temple guards. I still want to run the temple. <laughs> and I, I am terrible. I'm a terrible athletic type of person, which is zero. So I would still want to do it. And as far as animated goes, I mean, I, I thought about this, you know, because people ask me all the time, I would have to say Rugrats. Rugrats was one of the really? original three. Um, that was one of the, in the first launch. It was, you know, and that was when they partnered with Doug and Rocco's Modern Life. Because they wanted to basically have a, you know, Rocco was a little bit more crass and like kind of uh, naughty. So they wanted to kind of have like something that would like kind of, you know, be a little bit naughty, really nice. And then Doug, which is like whatever in between, but Rugrats, I mean, who didn't learn from Rugrats? The reason I know anything about Hanukkah or Hanukkah as, you know, Angelica says to say it is because of the Hanukkah special, you know, the, the whole thing about, you know, when Chucky's lost his mom and they finally, you know, show that moment, my God, like, that is emotional. <laughs> like, these little babies, you know, taught you so much. And it's the longest-running Nicktoon prior to SpongeBob. And it's the only Nicktoon and one of the only cartoons with the star on the Hollywood, you know, star walk of fame. So. Yeah, and for sure, I thought it was going to be Rocco. Because I've seen you on Instagram and Rocco, Rocco, Rocco. I've even sent you yeah, pictures I, I of stuff from Walmart. I'm like, do you want this? I'll send it to you. You're like, no, I already have that. It's like, okay, well. Yeah. I do. I, like I said, and I love Rocco too, but I, like when I think about it, it's like, I have to think about which one do I watch much more of, which one do I remember much more of, which one really taught me more. And it was definitely Rugrats, but Rocco's modern life is just hilarious to me. Like I was never a big Ren and Stimpy person. So Rocco was my outlet. Um, and I will say that when I do get a future dog, his name will be spunky. Like that's already picked out. Okay. So flipping the script to the other side of the spectrum, what is the saddest moment you've seen on a Nick show in which show was it? Okay. So like, and you're trying to like something that happened in like Nickelodeon history or something that happened like in an actual show in a show that made you like Ooh. completely sad and bummed out. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is a, this is one I, you know, I really, cause there's so many of them and it's like, you know, you try and think about the, I know it's definitely one of the early ones like, Hey Arnold, um, or maybe Rugrats trying to think. I mean, Melville was very upsetting. That was definitely a tearjerker with the bug, with um, the broly poly. But I would have to say probably one of the one that really made me kind of say like, wow, was, man, this is hard. It was either Chucky with the mom, like 100%. Yes, that's or, mine. Yeah, that is like, I think one of the hardest ones, because that's like one of my biggest fears, losing my mom. So 
I think probably just, you know, that the more so, I think what was more upsetting about that one is it wasn't, they didn't really show you much about it. They made you think about it yeah. because they show the happy scene. Like they don't say, really say like how she died or, you know, showing anything about that. They just show her playing in the field with the butterflies with Chucky. They get a very young, you know, very like infant, you know, younger than he is at the age of two. But I think one that I really could like, you know, process was again, little miss perfect, the episode on Hey Arnold where we meet Lila and the girls are so mean to her. And then they find out that she is like deathly poor and her father like ate like the last can of beans and he's not getting the job. And then he gets the job and all the girls are crying because they're so happy for her. That was a big moment, you know, cause it showed you that not everybody is like you. And this girl is trying, she's not trying to be a little miss perfect. Like she's just trying to be herself and in such a horrible place. And, you know, in that adversity of being poor and being the new girl. So I think those are probably some like the saddest moments I can think of. Uh, the saddest moment in Nickelodeon history, though, is when they tore, tore down the studio. I don't think anyone <laughs> disagrees with that. So I think what really, you know, kind of set Nickelodeon apart, um, you know, from its time is that how the writers and producers, how they actually said, you know, yeah, kids, you know, are going to have issues. Like we're going to have Chucky's mom die and kids deal with loss. They deal with poverty. They deal with these, you know, bullying issues. And we want to show the kids that they're not alone. And I it's like you, you you talk to these writers and the these people and they said oh yeah you know we did a thing you know we made some shows back in the eighties and nineties and yeah but they didn't really think that much of it on how much of an impact that it would have on an entire generation that just completely blows my mind. No, I mean one hundred percent. Like the people like you know Class Geek Supo and Paul Germain and Craig Bartlett. I mean these are people that just did these huge iconic moments and you know. The thing, too, with Rugrats that I do want to touch on is, like, a lot of people, I think, wonder, and I really do feel like they address the topic of racism, because we could tell Angelica didn't like Susie for some unknown reason. Like, there was no rhyme or reason, but then as time as she got to know her, she became closer with her, and you have to wonder, was this trying to teach kids about, you know, accepting others for being different, because Susie was the first black, black cartoon in that show, one of the only ones, and then we, you know, get introduced to Kimmy, so they're really introducing people to all these different ways of life. Yeah. And for kids to be able to have access to that information at that age, it was just really unheard of considering that the other kids network, Disney um, was really kind of just like, you know, the picket fence stories all the time. Yeah. And I think maybe, you know, maybe that just was never something that really resonated with me. So like I am the Prince charming type, you know, like that's what I, you know, dream of. But I didn't need to see, you know, a girl who loses her voice from a sea witch under, you know, under the ocean or, you know, something, something like that. Like, that was never anything that really drew to me, I guess, you know, but people that are exposed to it, that's what they grew up with. I remember growing up with Nickelodeon and then there are the Disney kids. So there's, you know, I think there's a lot more Disney kids than there are Nickelodeon. And I don't really know why that is, but I think if you went along the ride with Nickelodeon for like the entire time, you're still with him. And, you know, I still watch Nickelodeon to this day, and I will say that there are some programs that I love that they're coming out with that are really very much feeling of 90s quality. Yeah, like Loud House, I mean, they even did an episode of Legends of the Hidden Temple where they are the Silver Snakes versus the Andre Gowanas, and Kirk Fogg is actually the voice of it. And then you have Jason Norman playing the bully role in Silver Snakes, who's from Henry Danger. But then there's also things like his best friend Clyde, who has an openly gay parent couple. That's huge. 
Yeah. You know, his one of his sisters, you know, um, it's addressed to the topic of either bisexuality or being gay because she gives a love letter to a girl. These are very daring moves for a show to do in 2018, 2016, 2017, any, any of that. So it's kind of like starting to tackle the same types of lessons that 90s had. So it's a really kind of feel good show. So I give him a lot of credit for The Loud House because SpongeBob and Loud House are really pretty kind of like their only two Nicktoons really that are flourishing right now that I know of. You know, the, the Nickelodeon community, I mean, we're we're definitely a different type of group. You know, we all have very, I think, out, extroverted, different type of big personalities. But I guess it's kind of like what we were taught. So it's hard for me to say, like, you know, fully because I don't really know the Nickelodeon community that much. But I do know that when I post something, like when I got on, you know, for Double Dare, that I had so many likes on that live stream video I did. I mean, it was so many people, people that, you know, that somebody I haven't, you know, talked to in a while and it's like, huh, you know, maybe when you bring it up, people do like it because I'll post a lot of my Nickelodeon stuff and you don't, people don't even promote that they're a huge fan, but they love what they're seeing. And they're like, oh, I remember that, you know, so it's almost like you bring up memories and <laughs> like recruiting into the orange army. I have to confess, and I've never said this publicly before, and I'm going to put myself out there. But the yes, the Nickelodeon fan base is definitely kind of quirky, kind of weird, kind of fun. Um, I don't know if you know or not. But at the old Nick Studios at Universal in Florida, the queue line in that whole section is now Blue Man Group, what have you. The bathroom is still Nickelodeon slime splat tile. <laughs> and every time one of us goes to Universal, you have to go look in the bathroom to see if the slime splat tile is still there. And I'm happy to report as of two months ago, it was still there. So how bizarre is that when one of your friends hits you up on messenger said, dude, is the tile still there? I'm like, yeah, man, it's still there. And my wife is just like shaking her head. And I'm like, you don't understand. It's Nick hit thing. Yeah. And I mean, I will say, you know, getting to go inside a Nickelodeon animation studio, because, you know, I have been fortunate enough to interview there a couple of times. And I even auditioned to be uh, the new host of Blue's Clues. And, you know, because I have some friends there that, you know, give me tours. It is so cool. I mean, this is something that a lot of people don't get to see. So, you know, you go in there and it's almost like an homage to legends. They have all these different flags, like, you know, showing um, like the, like an image of like the creator and the show that they worked on, or they have like different inspirational quotes outside in like the courtyard, you know, that is like engraved into the stone from like classic shows. And then each floor represents different kinds of things. And, you know, that huge Nickelodeon logo in the lobby that people see is actually, there's a secret theater there, which is so cool i mean i guess it's not really a secret they've shown you but it doesn't look like it's there you know it's this hidden little doorway it is it's the closest you can get to what nickelodeon studios was in orlando so getting to be part of that is amazing like i sometimes i drive by without realizing i'm going to and my heart just sinks and gets so happy at the same time because <laughs> i'm like this is where i need to live like i want to live here Give the viewer, our viewers, shit, that's my TV talk coming out. Give our listeners um, yeah, some insight on to how your room is and what kind of um, stuff you have in your collection. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of the stuff actually comes from the Nick Box, and that's a really cool quarterly subscription that you can get if you're, you know, a fan of the 90s. 90s Nick is like pretty much is all it is, and it's got the classic Splat logo, and it, you know, it comes with like really cool one of a kind items like vinyls and clothing and 
all these different kind of like knickknacks that you can get. Um, and like uh, Eric said, you on my Instagram, if you ever send me a uh, direct message, I can give you a code to get you $10 off the first one. But I have um, eight of those boxes so far. So in each box, you have probably at least eight to 10 items. So I'm pushing probably at least 100 items of Nick Box alone. And then uh, when I, my friend who I stayed with knew I was such a big Nickelodeon fan and she would do freelance press work. So I actually came to do a little bit of that with her too. And we got to go and do press for the Kids' Choice Awards seating tour. And a lot of people don't get to see this, but the seating tour is kind of a promotional online type of advertisement for the upcoming award show where you'll go around with one of the Nick stars and they'll show you where the stars are going to sit. And then you'll usually do an interview with one of the upcoming shows. And when I did it, it was for when School of Rock was coming out. And so that was really cool because I actually got to become uh, friends with Tony Cavallero and uh, Ricardo Hurtado and Lance Lim and Aiden and, you know, all the Jaden, Jay Pettyjohn and uh, Brianna Eady. Like, they're they're all great. So it was really cool to be able to be part of that. And so I usually get to kind of like what it's called as like the free Nick sweat when you work these press junkets or you work these carpets or, you know, do whatever you do. And then working on other, you know, award shows like Kids' Choice Sports, working as a production assistant or an executive production assistant, I got to basically take home pieces of the <laughs> decoration. So one of the coolest things I have in my room that I don't think anyone ever has had before is I have these big slime, like uh, not decals, but molds that are hanging up on my wall that were actually on chain link fences. And when an event is finished, you know, they're not saving some of the things they do save, but a lot of it, they don't. And they knew that I was a huge Nick person. They're like, hey, you know, you can take whatever you want. And I backed my car up and I loaded it up. <laughs> you know, I have posters from Kids' Choice Sports. I have banners. I have, you know, all, all these really cool things. But I will say one of my other favorite pieces is when I wore Kids' Choice Awards from 2018 this year. And I was um, audience PA. And I actually got to keep one of the blimps from the set that John Cena dove into. So that is one of my highlights because it's a dream to own a Kids' Choice Award at some point. So that is the closest I can probably come in addition to the um, homemade one. My best friend made me for my birthday one year, which is incredible. Well, awesome, Shane. Uh, anything else you want to add, um, put it out there. Anything that yeah. anybody want to I mean, hear, it's all yours. Listen, well, well, thank you. First off, um, you know, this has been such a fun opportunity to do. I love talking about Nickelodeon. I, you know, love trivia with Nickelodeon. And I think that maybe if more people, you know, start, you know, if you like Nickelodeon, it's okay to admit it. You know, everybody, like I said, has that nerd moment, but it's something fun that, you know, brings people together. So I would say that with Nickelodeon, you know, hopefully for somebody from Nickelodeon is listening, you, I promise you, you will not find somebody more passionate or more perfect for a position at Nickelodeon. I've been trying for over three years and I, I can guarantee that even if I was a receptionist, like after I finished crying for like six days prior to starting, <laughs> you would notice such a difference. So I, I think, you know, the point of Nickelodeon in general is, you know, go for your dreams. You know, don't rely on hope, rely on self-determination, because that is something that nobody can take away from you. Hope you give into the hands of others, but self-determination and ambition is only able to be lost if you take it away from yourself. And that's something that I have had to learn working in this industry because, you you know, you do miss out a lot. You know, I'm, unfortunately, I got unemployed, you know, almost two months ago, and it's not fun. But knowing to take away the determination for me to get to where I want to be. So that's what I would tell people that are listening is if there's something you want to do, you have to be willing to know that it might be something that will fail, 
but it's really only going to fail if you let yourself fail. You can only keep trying as much as you let yourself try. So whether your dream is Nickelodeon or whether it's to work for anybody else or do anything, you know, maybe take a little bit of that childhood moment of you and bring it into the adult life because that childhood was carefree. They were more innocent. They had big dreams and they had ambition. And I think that's kind of like what my mom says with me is I have Peter Pan syndrome. I've never quite grown up, but I'm still an adult. So with that, I will say Nickelodeon definitely sums up who I am. Yeah. And following your Instagram um, and your Facebook uh, stuff for the last uh, year or so has been truly inspiring to myself. And I think that you are the epitome of determination and um, the fact that your huge Nick fan makes it even better. Shane, thank you so much for joining us today. I really, really hope that um, your dream do come true and I'll be cheering for you all the way uh, to the orange carpet for yourself. Thank you. Yes. And if you guys want to follow me, my Instagram is at lost changeless. Yep. I know. Nice and fun. L O S S H A N E G E L E S. Follow me, talk to me, post with me, and let's get this Nickelodeon momentum keep going and bring back the orange era into 2019. Shane, thank you so much for joining me as my first guest. I hope all of my listeners enjoyed this inaugural episode of From the Inside Out Podcast. I'll be posting pictures of Shane's fun Nickelodeon-inspired room, collectibles, and more on the show's Facebook and Instagram pages. You can find them online if you search for From the Inside Out Podcast. If there's a topic you would like me to explore or have a general comment about the show or content for the show, please reach out to me on social media. I look forward to all of your questions and comments. I'm your host, Eric Cups, and I'm feeding you content as I find it from the inside out.